On today's episode of the JRW Audio Experience, we talk Malcolm Miller, music, prints, Tupac, and general topics with Mr. Kid, aka the role player. Enjoy. No matter what I do, it works. All right. So when do you, you want to start it right now? Yeah. So we're okay. Gonna be so, talk- so my question is this: is I've come into your office several times. I gotta respect the American flag, man. People be roughing up our flag, man. But if you're an American, you gotta have at least one, maybe two, as a backup. And the second thing I noticed was these um, photos. One is a black and white photo of this cat um, sitting there. That looks like an old school uh, keyboard, man. That looks like almost like some '90s stuff. Yeah, that is. And then he's got his uh, amplifier. And then I've got a, another, you got another version of him that you said you bought at um, the, the the Mall of America or some mall. And, uh, yeah, actually, they all came from the mall, yeah. And But it seems like this guy's a big influence on uh, on you. So first of all, who is he? Uh, that's Mac Miller, man. So I have a huge relation to Mac Miller just because of his background, who he is, what he does. And my story aligns a lot with his story. Okay. So there's a, that's a huge part of like everything that I talk about and do. It's the whole like ability to relate to someone via story and experiences and like our background. Okay, first question I would have is like, what was the first song you remember ever hearing from him, and why did you why why did you like it? Why did it catch your ear? Well, to be honest with you, I wasn't a huge Mac Miller fan out the door. The first song I ever heard by Mac Miller was Trump, Donald Trump, but um. Until Mac Miller got older and had more of a voice and developed his voice more and became, he started early in his career, he was more of an innocent white boy from the suburbs that had this poppy, hot, happy vibe. But then he started to get older and he, he, he realized the powers of like life and industry and he started to become a lot more mature. But he also became a lot darker in his, in his days because he started to have depression. He started to have a drug addiction take over. And then he started to see the truths of LA, the music industry, manipulation and business and the lack of trust of people and, and the dark side of the world. And then his music started to show it. And he really started to get a really amazing voice and story. But he also had a lot of dark days, which and he eventually died. And so it was more so later in his days that I actually really started to fall in love with his music. So how old was he when he passed away? He was 20. Mac Miller was part of the 27 Club or 28? He was 27 or 28, yeah. And he, he said he was originally from Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And he grew up, he was a Jewish kid and he grew up as a, with a mom that was like a photographer and his dad that was like an accountant. Yeah. And he's, yeah, just a Jewish kid, Pittsburgh. And he grew up and he was rapping all through school and he's white. And all he, to me, he's one of the most underrated white rappers of all time. And one of the most underrated rappers of all time. He has amazing music. And I thought the year that he died, he should have won album of the year. Uh, it was, uh, it was album was, two, what was it? Like 2009. And he it was it was an amazing album. His, they even invited his parents to the award show after he died, and they didn't even get. I'm like, man, they got to give him the award. But then wow. they gave it to they gave it to I think Nicki Minaj that year instead of him and in 2009. Yeah, it so was, was that Anaconda that she won. I can't remember shit? the album, but so I don't believe Nicki Minaj ever deserves an award. I apologize. I oh, wait a minute, you don't think Nicki Minaj is as talented as a lyricist? <laughs> I mean, she does kind of talk about a lot of nothing, but... You know. Sorry, there's nothing that, to me, Nicki Minaj's music, music... Nothing about her music or skill that, to me, is very artistic. 
I, I just don't think I think it's she's more representative of a, a industry sellout that's like just putting on and doing whatever she has to 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 sell. I don't I don't think her music is very deep. No. Okay, so she, they they brought his parents in his, his people and to the award. So they and then they did they even mention him during the award or did they did. But I thought he was deserving of the album of the year. If, if anyone ever listens it? to that album, it's an amazing album. It has the song two thousand nine on it. It has some amazing. It has some amazing hip hop. He incorporated lots of like instruments and he was a real hip hop musician where he would have the violin, the piano, he would have the like a lot of the old school instruments, he would incorporate them and he had them on that album. And his music is amazing. It's it really started to get a lot better as he aged. How many albums did he put out? He put out a lot of albums, 10 plus albums before he was 27 so he so, was and out of those 10 plus you said there was a point where his music changed it got better but it got deeper it was right i personally think it was right before he, he actually i think was just finding his voice when he died so he had was dealing with his drug addiction and that's to me when he really started to grow up and start to define his voice but i think some people there's, there's a lot of power behind that when you go through some struggle and you go through some difficult times that you really start to find yourself. And I think Mac Miller was really starting to find his voice and find his creative side and his creative voice. So if you could sum up kind of like what his what his belief or what his ideology was, what's what's his ideology? What made him so so special, so different? I just think it was his trans his just truth. The fact that he spoke his truth in his story and that he he was authentic to who he was and what he was and he made what the music that he wanted to make he didn't ever stray he was independent he would never really stray from himself and what he wanted to do he was self-made a lot of his music and his videos growing up he uh, had his friends that would help he would fund his own videos he would save up and he would pay to have his videos made and his friends would help produce them and then they would put it out and release it and it's a lot of organic like fans that would follow him and he was self-made so i think most of all it's just the fact that he stays true to who he is what he believes in and doing something that brings him happiness and pleasure and joy and staying true and transparent to himself i think that's most of all what i love about mac miller so you said like what he believe believes in like i know like with tupac tupac was like um he always embraced the struggle you know he never it, it never seemed like he got flashy a little bit a, a little bit but he also talked about the dangers of like money um the love of black people, you know, the confusion of black people as far as like self-hate. Um, but, you know, the power, you can overcome all of that. So so that was Pox, like some of his messages. What was what was I mean, I'm not I'm not going to I don't know if I can necessarily speak to an individual's. But I just think overall, it's just a creative expression of truth. And I think that's okay. what he speaks. Most of his music speaks to. And, and that's what I think most of all is the most powerful is finding the fact that using creative expression to share our truths and our, in our, in, and doing so in a transparent fashion where we're not afraid to share our inexactness and our flaws and our ambiguities and using that to, to come together and unite. And I think a lot of people like Tupac, that he's one of the most authentic people you could probably ever meet. And I think the more authentic you are, it makes it harder for people to like you because you're so yeah. true and authentic. And I think Tupac really was one of the most authentic people ever. But I also think there's a certain part to Tupac that, was just he couldn't let go of the streets. I don't know yeah, when that's I. That's why people loved him, though. Yeah, but there's a but certain point in time where you have to let go of what of your like, like overcome your flaws. Yeah, but if if the streets and his flaws is what made him, why why turn your it also ended up getting his ass killed. So, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so so he he passed away in 2009. You said he passed away. That's who Ariana was dating, and she broke up with him, and then he shortly passed away after he overdosed on fentanyl. Yep, by, by accident. Yeah, he bought 
uh, pain. He bought medicate. He bought drugs from a guy, and the guy sold him laced pills that were falsely created. Yeah. So they were painkillers that were falsely made with fentanyl in them. And then, yep, he. So, so the guy was. To Prince. Yeah, he. Uh, Prince was act. Yeah, something along those lines. But Prince was actually prescribed by the doctors fentanyl. So he was taking direct fentanyl. But I'm not sure. I wasn't there. But some. But I am a former painkiller and heroin addict. So I do understand the game a lot. And that's another part of the reason I relate to both of them a lot. And what, to be honest, a lot of people, when they look at Prince, they're like, oh, Prince wasn't using drugs. Well, and it was an accident. Well, sorry to say, man, Prince had his fucking high heels on all the time. And then when you yeah. read actually read about it, he was jumping all over, dancing all over. He actually had hip pain and he was taking narcotics for a long period of time. And then he, and if you're someone that's ever done it, you know what you're doing. Right. Like when you go to take more and you t- and you're on the verge of taking enough to kill yourself, you know, like you're on, you're you're doing something. Like someone's trying to get faded, or someone's trying to catch a vibe, or feel a specific kind of way when they're taking enough drugs to kill themselves. Someone doesn't just go into the bottle and be like, oh, I'm all of a sudden today, I'm going to take enough to put myself in the in the coffin someone was at some point in time like trying to catch a vibe or buzz and get high so when i hear about prince and i hear about all these things i personally think that prince was a regular drug user that was in the studio i can see it the guy was gifted and talented and he was probably catching catching a buzz and getting high and he got carried away with it so I mean, did you so it, so it, it was his name's mark right mark miller malcolm malcolm miller malcolm malcolm wait he's a jewish dude and his name malcolm yeah malcolm miller wow so was like at the end when he's on these pain pills and doing all of that, wasn't his mu- music being affected by that? His music got better. So well, through how his, do you explain that? Well, I don't know. Don't ask me. I just think it's. I think it's because the more that he experienced, I think I can't explain it. The more that someone experiences, the more powerful their story and that their voice becomes. Because like I talk a lot about leaders, and when I talk a lot about empathy, and a big part of empathy, the more someone endures and goes through, the more empathetic they become. And the more that I struggle in the battles I have, and I, the more empathetic I become to other people's battles. So I think he came from a situation where he didn't have necessarily a lot of struggle growing up, and all of a sudden he started to deal with it. And I think he started to develop a voice from that. And the more powerful your, your voice becomes, I think empathy goes hand in hand with that, where if I'm experiencing painful situations or suffering... I'm going to have a lot more ability to articulate that in my music or my creative expression. And then a lot of more people, when they hear this, are going to be able to connect and relate. And I don't think you can fake the fake the funk when it comes to like hearing that in someone's music or hearing the pain and suffering. Like when you listen to Tupac, you hear his hunger and you hear his truth. And when you hear him out, like, so when I think there's a real powerful thing to be seen with that is that like you can't fake that. And like the more people go through and suffer and endure, the more like voice and more empathetic their story and creative art i think has a way of connecting to a larger scale of people um, you know what i mean yeah would would i hear any of his music on the radio or is, is it yeah they still will play some of it most likely but things really are, have things are things are changing quick man well it's been 12 years since he's passed away no he passed away just what was it four years ago oh, four or five years ago that's just 2009 no that was the name of his album 2009 oh, why did he name his album 2009 I mean, I don't know all the, I don't know all his specific reasons, but that was the name of his album. Two thousand. He just passed away in two thousand seventeen. Then two thousand seventeen. Yep. Okay, so Mr. Kid has on uh, every other Friday. I have Map Day, and I play at least a, a song or two. Uh, well, I play a lot of songs while the kids are working on their maps. So if I had to pick one or two of Malcolm's songs that to introduce seventeen and eighteen year year olds during Map Day, what would I play? Ooh. 
I would say you play 2009 for sure. That's probably okay. one of his uh, greatest songs he's ever written. And I would say you'd have to play, uh, I don't know, man, he has a lot of really good music. And then I would say for me, I listen to 2009 a lot, but I would say my favorite part. That's one of my other ones. It's more of a slow slow jam, but that's just me, man. But everyone's different. All right, well, kids kids nowadays, when they listen to music, they're probably listening to a lot of different stuff. I mean, well, you're talking about kids. One thing I know about kids, though, is like true talent, if it's good. I mean, I've played um, Frank Sinatra and the kids dig it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no matter what the uh, genre of music, what style it is, man, can't be quality, man. It's something that's good. But, but, that ta- but when you look at kids, though, and like evolution this it's always changing and they're and it's always something new so it's like yeah you're right but sometimes i li- i hear some of the stuff a lot of the kids are listening to and it's like wow yeah but what's crazy is these kids don't know about the old school stuff so the old school stuff now is new to them they're used yeah. to all this um what is this people t- flaming hot cheeto shit <laughs> yeah, the- skirt pull up in my bands with my flaming hot cheetos and everybody's on auto tune and everybody the beat it is really and- lacking of uh yeah. authenticity and creativity so when they hear somebody actually playing like you said he was actually violins and stuff in his music man that's new to them yeah you know all right well i'm glad i learned a little bit about malcolm here i'll have to check him out man yeah, for sure, man. He's he's awesome. But most of all, I think it's the power of understanding how we can use like creative tools of expression to connect and relate to other people. And I think a lot of people, as we start to have more and more like technology involved and robotics and AI, it's going to become even more important to lean into our stories because the more and more that we disconnect and the more and more that we are lacking in proximity and we're lacking in the ability to connect and empathize it's going to even more be important the manner in which we share our stories that are humanistic and empathetic and transparent. And we're making ourselves vulnerable, sharing our ambiguities, our failures, our struggles and our battles and our inexactness to then connect and relate. And a lot of that, I think, is a really, really big topic moving forward in our society, especially because we're going to see some really big social, social evolutions and changes in the near future. And I mean, to me, that's about as big as it gets. If, I mean, just think if just think if we're living in a world where we we're going to be witnessing some of the biggest social evolutions ever, like that's important stuff to communicate at the end of the day and understanding, like, if we don't organize and we don't communicate, it could be our downfall. I mean, right. I mean, imagine if we look at all the equity that's in the inequity that we're experiencing. Yeah, as I think that's a good topic for our next podcast. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Your attention is our oxygen. Please continue to like, share, subscribe, and download for a better chance at being the next loyal brand follower mentioned at the end of our next show. Shout out to at Larry Shart. That's L-A-R-R-Y-S-C-H-A-R-D-T on Twitter for being such a loyal follower of the Weirman Media brand and the JRW Audio Experience. Thanks, Larry. Abundance is upon us. We must realize it by communicating our future of dignity, reason, security, accountability, human rights, justice, opportunity, innovation, and inclusiveness, utilizing the tools of technology to communicate our transparent, authentic, vulnerable truths of self and the society in which we live in, removing insecurity, fear, inequality, artificial scarcity, manipulation, coercion, and control that the powerful, connected, educated politicians, media mongols, back-and-forth economists, money-hungry monopolies, and coercive companies continue to leverage 
selling the society and the consumer on the narratives of scarcity, conflict, division, disconnect, complexity, and speed. But we see through it, through the removal of ego, no longer living in our inner subjective biases, inner subjective delusions, or our misinterpretations of the data, but leveraging the truthful insight of self and society, sharing our perspective and awareness in an authentic, transparent, vulnerable fashion, showing acceptance of flaws, ambiguities, and inexactnesses, then using them as our most powerful, relevant tool to influence others to aspire, dream, and succeed at scale by sharing empathetic, impactful, humanistic experiences of value with the world in a creative, culturally relevant fashion, advocating, educating, and empowering others to do the same. Because none of us are right, none of us are wrong, it is simply our perspective.